review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, Todd Hastings. Todd Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got. So what you got? You know what it is. Come on. Tonight we're gonna party like it's 1999. Dylan Gott's wearing purple, John's wearing nothing. 1999. Height of the Attitude Era. Let's all be offensive to people oh, that yeah, aren't is... me. I'm Vince. I'm an Irishman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 1999. Let me sum up the year. Is the year Vince starts stop starts to stop listening to people and goes, I know what to do. And everyone involved in the company goes, no, 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 no. Then he kills a guy, then he puts his future son-in-law in power, and that's the story of the rest of his company. Dylan, podcast over. Go fuck yourself. Oh, yeah. What are we going to do with our four months off? I'm, of course, Dylan Gott. That speaking is John Hastings. This is the Wrestler Review. We're doing Vince McMahon part. I don't even fucking know anymore. The year of 1999. Truly the year where the McMahons get injected to every single storyline. And the WWF basically becomes world-class championship wrestling, but without the part where it gets punished because they have too much money and the other company is basically just having the insane clown posse fight the no limit soldiers for three hours every month yes this is the my favorite part in wcw because this is eric bischoff is about to be is sent home in this year this is the year that uh, eric bischoff is sent home because turner is like why isn't this cash cow giving us all the money and then they open the books and there's just a giant mr p has signed the ledger and just says thanks for the money bitch and they're like <laughs> why the fuck have we given master p all this money like this is the year that new ja- new jack was supposed to be br- let's just take a second and talk about my favorite thing is new jack was supposed to be brought in uh to be the wrestler for uh master p and then kevin nash was like um we probably shouldn't do that because he'll definitely get us sued because he'll just staple gun a fan and new jack's response is like next time i see kevin nash i'm gonna fucking choke him out and then to- like 15 years later Apparently, uh, Kevin Nash or New Jack walked up behind Kevin Nash and just put him in a headlock. And Kevin Nash was like, "Oh, hey, New Jack!" And then New Jack was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm a fake fighter, and this guy's got like height and reach on me. I'm gonna be nice to him." Yeah, I mean, he probably would have put him in a headlock more playfully because New Jack is also not dumb, and he's like, uh, "Maybe they're gonna need a tough guy in Mollywood soon." And uh, me, who just, <laughs> uh, oh, we need prop blood. Don't worry, just. Just flick my forehead. Yeah. There you go. I'm going. Turn the fucking camera on, baby, because I am bleeding. I just saved you $40 in makeup. Hey, my name is New Jack. Is there a possibility I am paid in cocaine? Uh, no, we're Turner. <laughs> we're, we're Turner Broadcasting. We have to pay you in uh, in money. Can I get that in cash? I am between bank accounts. No. <laughs> Between banking accounts is a very good phrase. We're going to talk about Vince McMahon in 1999. And, John, I have a question for you. You're a grown-up, right? Uh, yes. Okay. How many matches did Vince McMahon have in the year 1999? How many matches? Professional wrestling matches. I'm going to go five. Fourteen. God damn it. <laughs> so, Vince McMahon... He wins the Rumble. He wins the world title. Uh, wait. When does he win the world title? He beats Triple H... Uh, oh, that's right at the end of the year. Because this is the weird thing about 1999 is 1999 is very much separated sort of mid of the year, mid of the year, middle of the year, in that 1999 is, this is WrestleMania 15, 
but it is also Triple H's weird ascension. And you, by the way, see as soon as Triple H gets the belt, they should have been like, this is a bad idea. We need to not have this guy be our champion. Instead, because Vince McMahon has stopped listening to people again, they immediately are like, time to double down. We're going to call this the Roman Reigns. Why are we going to call that that? You'll find out in 20 years. Wait, what? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Oddly, though, I will say this. The Triple H... The reason why Triple H works so well He does well not work well. Me, he does not work well. Triple H is a bad champion. He's a bad on the mic. Triple H's whoa. skill is that he has impressed... He is Vince McMahon's avatar in life. This guy doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. His pleasure is listening to loud music like me, Vince. Yeah, except I have just talk radio where people yell at yeah, the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I like. I have a compilation tape. Of people just swearing and yelling at the host. I wish that was true, but apparently Vince McMahon is real into classic rock. Like, he is... Like, if you drive with Vince McMahon, apparently what it is is AC off, windows up, so you can smell his farts, loud classic rock. And I would... That's fucking sick, then. <laughs> and, and everyone has that story of, like, you don't want to drive with Vince because he just drives real fast while ACDC plays, farts, looks at you to get your reaction. So, basically... His three redeeming qualities. Yeah, basically, Vince McMahon should be driving us to our gig in Doncaster at the end of the month. Oh, what a fucking Ooh. plug. I think it's Dorchester. Doncaster is in the UK, no, 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 but no, it's no, all no, the no, same no, bullshit. No. We're going to Doncaster. Because 100%, there's a Doncaster in Ontario, and if anyone listening to this tries to go there, because if you didn't know anything about Canada and the United States, is uh, they basically mined the UK and took out all the silly names. There's no Apons in Canada. There's no, like, Barton upon Thames. But there is just like, oh, look, uh, Kingston, we got one of those here, too. And uh, London, sure. They even, in the greatest thing in London, Ontario, they have uh, their version of the Thames. Of the Thames, apologies. Uh, but it is just a ravine and duck shit net. That's all it is. <laughs> It's eventually like, that's the Thames. And you're like, that's a kiddie pool with a guy pissing into it. Yeah, it's the Thames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a clock and his name is Ben. Fuck you. <laughs> his name is Ben. He likes to jack off in public places. Uh, and uh, what time does he do it? 3 p.m. That's Big yeah. Ben. That's the dong. That's what, <laughs> that's what he takes out his dong to tell you it's 3 p.m. You can use that. So, yeah, uh, Vince McMahon correctly, I think, in this year is like, I can't wrestle this much. Because I am the big heel, I need to replace myself as the heel at the top of the card. He tries The Undertaker, realizes, wait a minute, no one talks about this, but during the Attitude Era, The Undertaker sort of gave up on wrestling and was like, I'm going to eat hamburgers and dress all in black, because that is, you called it, slim. I mean, I disagree slightly. I think that the okay. it's a, it's the the final game of the... Because it's also, they have to go 90s dead man, and there's nothing more wrestling oh, yeah. 90s than he worships Satan, because that was scary in the 80s, and wrestling is 10 years behind. And The Undertaker, I think, gave up when he came back and is the American badass. Like, that's when he's literally just like, like uh, my move is I eat ice cream for a long time outside of the ring. <laughs> All right, my move is I got a new move. Can I do it off my back? Yeah. It's called the De Hell's Gate. This is my yard. I want to lie oh, down yeah. in my yard. Oh yeah, we get into the we're getting all the highlights of the rest of the room. We're getting into my yard uh, Undertaker very soon. Oh, but first yeah. we get Satanist. Let's walk the path. Um, I got some boots in the desert and I gave them to the big show. I don't fucking care. No, 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 no. He took, he left the big show in the desert and he came back with fucking snakes. I mean, boots it's cause he killed and fucked the snakes or whatever that is. This is also when they have immediate buyer's remorse on the big show where the big show comes in. They give him a 10 year deal. And then he says, 
oh, sick, you know what I do with 10 years? I get fat for eight of them. Thank you. And then the Big Show honestly operates his life much like a star athlete does, where the star athlete looks left, and then they look right, and they say, oh, there's no one else like this on my t- on this team. I'm going to be shit for the middle of the contract, but the start and the end, ooh, baby, you better believe I'm going to be amazing. Towards the end of that 10-year deal, the Big Show fucking got slim. He had the Mayweather match, and it was like, wow, the... I guess the Big Show is exactly what we wanted. And he was like, tricked you. I Being on the road makes me love catering. I'm going to eat chicken wings in wherever the shower is in this building. Yeah. Hello, my name is Paul, and I am looking to drink milk. <laughs> I want to drink cream. It's more fattening. I hate my job. Yeah, because again, how his contract starts is Vince McMahon brings him into Vince's house. Because this is happening in 1999 where they're starting to raid WCW now. Vince McMahon full tongue makes out with the big show and goes, that's my plan. And Paul White is so confused. He's just like, I guess I'll sign for 10 years. A million dollars a year, by the way, for 10 years. What a difference 18 months makes. Uh, I can't afford Brett to 18 months later. That tall man. Give him all the money. Good. But it's also a tall man who's 27 versus Bret Hart who's like, hey, uh, instead of uh, going with Steve and uh, him flipping the bird, how about me and Owen have a waist lock match? That's what the fans want. Um, hey, Vince, I just noticed you made a hardcore championship. I should actually have that because some of the sex I have is pretty hardcore. I watch a lot of it on Viewer's Choice pay-per-view, and then that's where I get my ideas for cheating on my wife. <laughs> I honestly, this is real. Did you know this? That br- the Godfather, it was actually just what Bret Hart was like off camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But then on camera, he just put it together and he's, uh, light up a fatty for this pimp daddy and say, uh, stew is right. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to get aboard this hoe train, it'll be going by my dad's house to let him know that all the babes I get are hotter than my mom. <laughs> I fucked her and she's hotter than you, mommy. The heart story. Hello, mom. Uh, Happy Mother's Day. I just want to let you know that on your Mother's Day, I always have sex with a woman named Helen. This one's got big jugs and I had to legally change her name to Helen. (laughs) So 1999 starts out with what happens, John? What What makes... Dave Meltzer put a gun with one bullet in his mouth and start pulling the trigger. Vince McMahon wins the Royal Rumble. Yes, he does, baby. He eliminates Stone Cold. This is Steve this Austin. is Vince Russo. This is, by the way, the this is the first time Vince Russo pulls this move, and it didn't work then. But it's the Attitude Era where it's going so well, everyone's just sort of like whatever. Um, when they could have just had Austin win the Royal Rumble for no reason at all, they're like, no. Instead, what we need to do is have Austin win the Royal Ru- not win the Royal Rumble. And then Shawn Michaels is the commissioner, visibly on amphetamines. Like, can we need to make sure that Shawn Michaels looks like a goddamn raccoon because he's been up for so many days? <laughs> I'm the heartbreak kid, and I haven't slept since 1993. <laughs> hey, Vince, it's me, Shawn Michaels. They used to call me the heartbreak kid because I used to make it with ladies. Now they call me that because of based on my cocaine use, I have the heart of a 90-year-old who <laughs> wants to watch me sit down. Ah, uh, they call me the heartbreak kid because my wife's pretty sure I'm going to die in three weeks. Here's a question. What did cocaine heads talk about before 9-11? Oh, you mean conspiracies? Kennedy being assassinated. Yeah, there it is. And aliens being real, of course. Simpler times. Aliens. And, like, now things are so fucked up that the Pentagon released footage of a UFO and everyone was like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I think the post office out to get those though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is how crazy. They, like the they the white Trump could be like, this is an alien, and everyone's just like, yeah. But is the alien now in charge of the post office? Like, what the fuck's going on? No, Donald Trump could bring an alien out for a speech, and then the, the most of the takeaway for people would be like, I think he's sexually assaulted. <laughs> yeah, alien. yeah, yeah. Because he'd like put his he just like put his hand on its butt, and they'd be like, that's not okay with me, and he'd be like, whoa, lighten up, pussy, and then. The right-wing media would be like, are aliens too PC? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, Sean Hannity just wearing that weird wig. Also, something that makes me despise Sean Hannity the most is that uh, he's constantly vaping during commercial breaks, and that just piss- That's sick. pisses me right off. Man, more and more people talk about the right-wing, the more and more I'm like, other than my viewpoints, I'm pretty fucking right-wing, but Oh, yeah. Dylan's a proud boy minus the ideology plus the fashion. Yeah. Well, basically- I dress right wing and my music's right wing, but I'm pretty left wing, which is very funny. I better never move to the suburbs, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or I'll be like, oh, what's that tattoo? That's all the flags in the world on my chest. I just circle the one that I like at that moment based what, on where I'm living. What's very funny now is I have a friend who's very, he's a very good promoter. And he, D- Dylan also has this friend, but he is also the best at not reading the signals of a video being popular so many times he's like look how well these guys did and i'm like yeah because they're dog whistling to racist people or they or this is just a proud boy talking about views and he's like yeah man but they got like ten thousand views on tiktok that's pretty sick and you're like okay please don't please don't emulate this this is the thing i was talking about with someone else where with actually very funny comedian steph tolov where what we think is viral because we were around when Twitter and tick in not even TikTok and fucking Vine. We were around when v- we thought Vine was going to be the new no. Hot, I no 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 no. I feel like this the Vine was the only time I was really smart where I was like, "There's no way that this is sustainable." YouTube YouTube is like, "We will destroy this," and they did. Like they were just like, "No no no." Well, it became clear that anyway. Whatever. Anyway, basically, if you're old, what you think viral is, is a thousand retweets. And if you're young, it's like, oh, no, everyone's on Twitter now. Viral is 40,000. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you you got to get those five digits, baby. We're still focused on the four. Anyway, the classic patented wrestler review sidetrack. Yeah, talking about politics for some reason. <laughs> politics and also, for some reason, social media strategies, of which we have none because we post one thing every six months because yeah. <laughs> we we have the fans that we want yeah you know what we're like a family now and you know what happens in this family no stew heart business yeah exactly we don't need 12 kids we've got nine <laughs> so uh vince mcmahon starts here let's just do it by his matches he wins the royal rumble he lost to china in an arm wrestling contest uh 12 days previous and then he beats stone cold steve austin in a gauntlet match february 8th of 1999 Austin and McMahon have that steel cage match where the uh, Big Show debuts. That's on St. Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. Those kisses are for me. Um, I think that, by the way, the St. <laughs> Valentine's Day Massacre is an unsung, amazing pay-per-view for a variety of reasons. You have the rematch of The Rock and Mankind, which is a far more delightful match to watch than the match they have at the Royal yep. Rumble, where it's literally... The match should just be called... the. This out of shape man gets CTE thanks to the future star, uh, biggest actor in the world. And don't worry, we're going to show his kids learning what pain is. Welcome to the Attitude Era. We do not care for feelings. Um, and then 
if you actually watch carefully, you can see Mick Foley's daughter decide to start posting bikini shots on the internet in 10 years. <laughs> I mean, you and I really like, uh, what I really like about it is the, is the rock not understanding that mankind's character is that he can never be knocked down or anything. And he keeps on getting up and the rock just keeps on hitting him. And he keeps on being like, no, I'm just going to go face down in front of you. The rock's like, no, man, I want to kill you in front of your dad. <laughs> and he's like, my dad's not here. And he's like, well, uh, you better. Well, you're going to think he you is. better get him on the phone because I'm not stopping hitting you until your dad gets here. And he's like, well, that's an eight hour go. drive. I'm going to hit you in the head with this chair because uh, based on the family you have, your family is nice. And yeah, <laughs> your family isn't my family. I'm my name's Dwayne. Um, the real, the reason actually that happened is because uh, the Rock and Mankind were talking backstage previous, and Mankind was like, "Oh yeah, because you know when your dad shows up on your birthday," <laughs> and then, he, and then the Rock was like, "Do you mean takes a gig?" And he's like, "No," when he shows up with a cake, and he's like, "Ka, key? What's ka key? That's like a, it's got icing on it. You you cut it up, cut it up." In your fa- cocaine. In your f- in your family, do you call a woman that's not your mother, even though they're still married, cake? Because we do not call that in- that in the Johnson household. <laughs> yeah, you know when you bond with your dad. Oh yeah, like when your girl dumps you, so you stake outside her house. Yeah, yeah. No, like uh, like you know, you you drive around. Yeah, to women's houses and throw shitty your take a shit in your own underwear, throw it at the door. You know, bonding with your dad. Okay, and then he hit him with the chair. Dwayne, just before we get out there, I just need to call my dad and just talk to him for a bit. Oh, oh dude, he needs money, I assume. That's what the reason why I talked to my dad. <laughs> wow, your dad needs money. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. Though you can definitely tell that The Rock, like, The Rock is one of those guys where that smile's a bit too wide. So if you just brought up, like, hey, your dad's dead, he's going to be like, yeah, I'm sad. And those words mean, yeah, I don't have that drain on my finances anymore. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Also, Rocky Johnson, we would uh, be remiss to say the two birds on his uh, chest uh, were trendsetters. People do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the type of porn that Dylan got watches and constantly shares with me there usually feature that tattoo. Yeah, I'm always on Pornhub tagging John on the yeah, comments. <laughs> and John's like, stop reminding people I have this yeah. account. And then John's, John's just posting a solo male vid, Please? which is just him shitting. Where he goes, oof, too many taquitos again. Sometimes I'm just reading a book on a closed toilet. Yeah. People are into absolutely everything. Yeah. So let's start that. People- <laughs> the Wrestler Review Pornhub channel. The Wrestler Review Pornhub channel is just me reading Howard Zinn's The People's History of the United States. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever that is. Yeah, just a dry throat reading. Very confused on the subject matter. Yeah, a lot of this noise. Oh, yeah. A lot. And then... Uh, a lot of dry licks of the fingertips. I'll tell you who else's fingertips were dry. Vince McMahon's after that steel cage match. Um, the same Valentine's Day Massacre is one of the unsung great pay-per-views of the Attitude Era. One of the many things is that don't get talked about success is this is the best time of the WWE using their legends in that all of their former stars that are brought back in are always portrayed as doddering, fun old men. Like, this is the only time when the Iron Sheik doesn't make you go like, ugh, Christ. Because he's just like, baby, all right, I show you how you use muscles or something. And then Dominic DiNucci is literally just talking about drop-kicking people, and Bob Backlund full-on talks about the economy, while Mick Foley is just like, guys, I need you to know my brain is swelling to the point you can feel it in my ears, so if you could just talk while I sleep standing up, that would be real cool. 
Yeah, he'd be like, I just forgot the name of my third son. You don't have three sons. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's my dog I left at the kindergarten. Oh, no. So Valentine's Day Massacre, obviously, was a great PPV. Also, it should be mentioned that... Hardcore Holly fights in a lake. Yes, best hardcore match ever. Yeah. They fight in a lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardcore Holly fights in a lake. Um, Shane McMahon really starts wrestling, as evidenced by the fact that Shane McMahon beats X-Pac for the European Championship at WrestleMania 15. Oh, we should mention uh, the buy rate for the Royal Rumble that year was 650000 was a 299000 rise from the previous year. WrestleMania was up 70,000 buys to 800000 was the buy rate for that. Um Dog shit matches, but this is the weird thing where, like, really you can split the Attitude Era, even though it is four years, 97 to 2001 roughly, into two, It's a, essentially it's two things. Basically, there's 97 to 99 before they get Eddie Guerrero and Benoit and Malenko and Perry Saturn, and then post- uh, them, they start to get all these great workers from other companies. Like, people forget just before ECW and WCW collapsed. Or sorry, I should say, just before WCW collapsed, they did get Rhino, and Rhino fit in so fucking well with that company. Like, he was such a good... Where it was like, they just fell ass backwards into not only did they have characters that worked, they had a high variance in body types. Where, like, now everyone has the same body type where it's like every single person in this company does CrossFit. And if they're big, they're just like a six foot five guy who just works out a bit. And some people are allowed to do steroids. And then in the mid 2000s, when they tried the influx of everyone from OVW towards the end of Jim Ross's, uh, of the era of, the era of Jim Ross being talent um, coordinator, I forget. Anyway, where Jim Ross was in charge of everything, everyone was on juice, but like. They just all looked the same. It was exactly like the 80s. Like, everyone looked uh, exactly the same, but they weren't decade-long veterans where it's like, yeah, I'm juiced to the fucking shit, but also I can still wrestle and I know how to get over. Um, this is an era where it's where towards the end of the territories. Uh, obviously, ev- all, they have all these misfit toys from ECW coming in and being their mid-card, which really, really helps populate and is the main reason why the Attitude Era is so great because every single guy on this roster is like a decade-long veteran, and if they're not... They're just one of those freaks who gets wrestling immediately. Yes. The other interesting thing to note is 97 and 99 is Vince um, delegating and listening to the experts that he has. 99, you lose Jim Cornette off the creative team. Um, Jim Ross is now way too busy because what comes with that mid card also comes with a lot of personality problems. Like it's they basically are like these guys are great wrestlers in the ring. They are also excellent takers of drugs and makers of phone calls. So Jim Ross is busy. Vince McMahon now takes back the reins of power and is making all the decisions. And the one thing he hates is small mid card guys, which he now has a plethora of, and they are making his company. This this year is intensely interesting because this is Vince going from listening to people going okay this is why i'm successful to vince being like i'm the reason i'm successful and everyone's like wait no like no it's other people you just are an amazing promoter i agree i did all of that i am steve austin they're like wait what and he and then he just starts breaking glass in his own house and linda says god damn it (laughs) well more so than this is 1999 is really the arrival of the smart fan and the fact that everyone's so Everyone's so... I'm going to 
I'm going to disagree with you on that. I think that the smart fan literally was born with the shaking of hands of sh- of Vince and Steve in a y- in 2 years. 2001 is the rise of the like are you fucking kidding me? How I will not be watching this pay-per-view again. I will be purchasing on DVD, of course. <laughs> no, but I mean that's so the smart fan as we know it is born in 2001 with Stone Cold's fucking heel turn. But this is the born smart fan where it's like, still now people are watching Cape Fabe video, or sorry, shoot interviews where people talk about stories from 1983 and a time you, they got drunk at the fucking Holiday Inn, you know what I mean, in Poughkeepsie. Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette has a war chest to weather the, what I like to call cuck gate because... There is a there's over a hundred thousand people that want to hear that man swear and then, um, just talk about a time Bobby Eaton took a big shit. It's fucking huge, you cunts! You fucking man. Jim Cornette is pro wrestling Joe Rogan. Holy shit, he is pro wrestling Joe Rogan. And of course, where he can do all this fucking backward shit, but no one cares because his core fan base is just like, yeah, but he knows how the midnights should have been booked. Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, because again, this is also this is Vince Russo, Jim Cornette. All of this booking, all of these decisions, are born out of the conflict between those two guys. What's very interesting is they're such polar opposites that they basically like it's like they both are uh, they're both anime characters and they can shoot energy at each other and it, the the streams touch and in the middle is the perfect wrestling idea because they're coming at it from such different directions. Like Vince is like, or like Vince Russo is like, bro, here's the match. We find his mom, we stab her. No, you fucking idiot, you can't fucking tell your mom. And then it turns into Eddie Guerrero just having a great match with someone. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then out of that, you get Latino Heat with him and China. Oh, phenomenal. When they go to his... Even though they were both gone by then. But everyone knew the form. People... Anyway, what I'm so- what I was originally my point was, was this is the book... There was an... I'm speaking... Personally, I'm a, I was 14 at this time. Uh, not only did I think I was never going to have sex, I had accepted it and become one with the idea. And so just bulking up on as many, holy shit, so wait a minute, what actually happened at the fucking Montreal screw job? Like, everyone wanted to know what was going on behind the scenes. So the idea of Vince populating the show with not only himself, but his fucking son. And then later in the year, you get Stephanie. Uh, we everyone forgets how into the idea of Test and Stephanie, but Test had one of the hottest debuts in wrestling just because he fucked over Triple H and then aligned himself uh, with almost getting married with Stephanie. People forget this type of thing, how into the McMahons people were. Even Linda gets on the fucking Oh, TV yeah, because, again, this is the this is the height of Steve. So, yeah, Test is in the corporate... Yeah, he's in the corporation at this point. Um, is in the corporate ministry. He debuts by pretending to be a bodyguard for Motley Crue and then fights a guy. It's yes. so awesome. <laughs> yeah, buddy. And I didn't know who Motley Crue was, and I was like, I guess that makes him tough. I did, and I was just like, well, kickstart my heart. This show is just for me, I guess. My heart kickstart <laughs> my heart. Um, then, um, yeah. So then you've got the corporation feuding with the ministry. Now this is a great. This is clearly Jim Ross being like. Heel stables can feud with other heel stables and we'll shake it out and see who becomes the good guy. That's basically how they do it. And then they have the... And then this is also a great play on the Vince character because it freshens it up briefly 
which is Vince then gets really sad because Undertaker is full trying to kidnap and stalk his daughter. Um, and you have the I, the most interesting part of this is Undertaker finally kidnaps Stephanie. Vince McMahon has to go to Steve Austin and be like, Steve, you got to help me rescue my daughter. You get some really exciting Raws, and it's basically just excuses for Steve Austin to stun her. Then you have, I'm going to say, the best um, the best sort of pre-recorded sketch the WWE ever did, which is Vince's reveal as the um, higher power, which was not, clearly not supposed to be Vince. Everyone, by everyone, I mean Bruce Pritchard claims it was supposed to be Vince. Uh, it was possibly supposed to be Christopher Daniels. I believe it was supposed to be Ric Flair because Ric Flair was in huge contract disputes with WCW, but Ric Flair, because he's the terrible businessman, did not sign with the WWE. If they had had Ric Flair come in as the head of the corporate ministry, it would have just made it would have been interesting. It would have been weird as fuck, but it would have been real fun. Well, it would have been weird to be like, yeah, I'm a goth. Woo! Ah, Learjets makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's like, no, it would just had blinged out Marilyn Manson. Like, what's he supposed to do? All you have to do is the, the advantage of Ric Flair is Ric Flair was always talking about. I associate myself with the baddest motherfuckers. This this faction is the baddest motherfuckers I've ever said. We said all of this to fuck you over. I never said I was religion. I am the higher power. I've had more belts than anyone else. And it's also, it's a, a proxy that Steve Austin could feud with. It's also this weird time of the 90s was very much like old stuff is lame. New stuff like big giant silver pearls that form a necklace. That's cool. Make sure your pants are very baggy. Like that, I think that we could learn a lot from that time though because there's been so much reinventing of the past in wrestling this is the only time where people would scoff at the idea of like if they revealed rick flair as the higher power people would be like who the fuck cares about this fucking old guy i disagree with his long hair no for sure i mean dude people if you're a wrestling fan and you like the wwf which a lot of people do just like the wwf at this period I can speak personally. I'd be like, who the fuck? It, oh, you mean this guy Bret Hart beat up? Okay, what are we bringing back? Bob Backlund now? Is he the higher power? Like, who cares? Nah, it's again because it was such a weird... This was the first big letdown of the Attitude Era was Vince's reveal. And it was clearly Vince... They fucking save it of that I did it all to fuck with Austin. It leads to Austin going yeah, to yeah. WWE. I had my daughter kidnapped because of Austin, baby. Um, You get some sweet Linda McMahon acting, which we here at the Wrestle Review always in favor of. And you get, this is the reason why they will now do overly long sketches is because Steve Austin going to WWF headquarters and just pranking people is fucking great. For no other reason that there was thought put into it. Like he goes to the accounting office and he's like, why did you just spend $400,000 here? And they were like, oh, that's the time you concreted a car to a fucking parking lot, you ass. And he was like, oh yeah, I was sick. That's cool. But also, it should be mentioned that they're now convinced that the sketches are the good thing, where it's not the sketches, it's the character. Yeah, it's like, exactly. They they had a year, two years of character development, specifically of Stone Cold being just like a badass who killed everybody, no nonsense, kicked the shit out of everyone, and 1999 is where he becomes basically fun Steve Austin who's pulling silly pranks such as, I'm going to be... Like, he comes out with the suit, 
and hits Vince in the balls, takes a Polaroid of him after he hits him in the balls. Basically, think about it like this. Steve Austin is the WWE stepdad. Hulk Hogan is original dad. He's fucked off. Steve Austin comes in. First half of the Attitude Era, that's when he's no dome and your mom. He has his own chair. Yeah, I'm drinking with lunch. <laughs> I want you to know a couple of things. Shakespeare is for girls. You're a boy. Also, you piss sitting down in my house. Never been to prison, but I have been to jail. And then 1999 <laughs> is when Steve Austin, when uh, your mom is like, Steve, you need to make a choice. You either put a ring on this finger or you get the fuck out. And he's like, I can't make first and last, but I can steal a ring. And that's when Steve Austin starts to be like, I guess I'll be fun. He starts like playing catch with you sometimes. And he's like, don't worry, we're getting a pool. And what that means is he's just going to fill the backyard with water and you swim in mud, bitch. <laughs> we got a mud pool look a hole i dag and i pissed in it now put your foot in there that's a pool so april the the biggest moment in wrestling history sable's playboy photo shoot. yes th mm. this is the jack heard round the world yeah <laughs> this is the uh fa the fap the fappening. Yeah. This is the entire thing where it happens where just a bunch of fucking fourteen year old boys nutting all over the I'm gonna place. predict sixty percent of the of the junior fappers to those images now are no fap. Really? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go if you I there is a direct correlation. I guarantee that they like jack to that. Okay. Twenty years later they're like, you know what? No jacking off, time to get myself a collared polo and to get real weird. Oh, yeah. Time to get some fucking tiki torches. I got a point. Because here's the thing about being a no-fapper. Not all no-fappers are horrific pieces of shit, but all horrific pieces of shit are no-fappers. Really? I'm gonna s you don't think there's anyone who's like a big jacker who's like, you know what? I jack oh, off no. all the time. Oh, there's those as well. But I've yet to... Like, I guarantee if someone's like, I do not masturbate, you check their timeline, you're going to see an All Lives Matter, and you're going to see a... Let me tell you why you should not get unemployment. You fucking don't work hard. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is a this is begins like a weird thing for Vince McMahon, where he essentially it's not outright said, but I'm sure it's heavily implied that like if I'm going to give you TV time as a female performer on my uh, show, you are gonna have to do Playboy. I guarantee Vince McMahon heavily looked into starting to become a human trafficker when he saw how much money he made from Sable. <laughs> I guarantee Vince McMahon probably heavily looked into just like, why don't we just have our own nudie magazine? Oh, yeah, I bet you he did. I bet you he... I guarantee, well, he already had a magazine called Raw, and I guarantee he was just like... Oh, yeah. We just show... We just show cunts, no tits. He doesn't. How about this? Uh, How about my cock <laughs> the next episode? It's raw, baby. Just show them what they need. And he kept just showing it to people. And they're like, I mean, it's very average. And he just went, that better mean impressive. But this must be a weird thing where Vince McMahon got famous in the 80s based on like being a fake person to an extent, like appropriating what America liked at the time. And then 1999. He must be weeping with pride because he was like, you mean I could have just been myself the whole time? Yeah, they basically, they like what I like. Ah, ha, 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 ha. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They like who they they are who I am. I am who they I are. I now can't just get the image out of my head of Vince McMahon touring a warehouse in the Red Hook district of New York with and then we will keep the people in this container and if they act up we kill them. <laughs> Can I be here for the killing? <laughs> but this is informative of the rest of his career. The time in the WWF because Sable understands a this is why sable's really smart a she understands what she's worth and this is gonna sound fucked up but she understands that essentially i have a short time in the spotlight as a sex symbol people get tired of people remember sex symbols but they also get tired of sex symbols really quickly unfortunately so i gotta make the most fucking money i fucking can right now so she starts asking immediately for more money she does playboy till the end towards the end of the year under the name marina marrow which has not been proven, but presumably is just so she would be compensated better because she's not under the WWF uh, umbrella. Likeness. Yeah, because by the way, this is this is the this is the end of Sable's run. Sable's run initially is very quick. She's then brought back for what I like to call the un- most uncomfortable time ever, because she leaves and then immediately sues over compensation and sexual harassment. And like everyone, you read that lawsuit and you're like, yeah, just give, like of course, like this is a terrible company run by a terrible man. And you were, you were definitely like based on just the conversations Jim Cornette has reported, where it's like, all right, the Patriot goes over now. Let's spend forty-five minutes talking about Sable in white lace panties. Like it's just like that's not an appropriate conversation for a workplace environment. If you're the CEO, because I guarantee that he called her and was like, "Ah, oh, good, the voicemail shows she can listen to this whole conversation anytime she wants." So this is an interesting point where Vince really was pushing for the Playboy stuff because he was something he knew that WCW couldn't put on her sh- on their show and something that Eric Bischoff talks about a lot, which is 1996, WCW is the edgy product and then Vince McMahon takes it a step further and Bischoff, I don't know how he would have taken it a step further where it's like, Kill the guy. what's going to happen. <laughs> the Nitro Girls are going to cut off Ming's dick and he's going to try and kill them all while they're topless. That's Nitro, three and a half yes, hours. Yes, and will the song Nookie be playing? Only just enough that we don't have to pay the rights. Hit it. Yeah, um, we're going to tell Fred Durst it's a concert, then Ming rips out his jaw. Ming's the lead singer of Limp Biscuit. We get all their money yeah. now. The Nitro Girls are pissing. <laughs> we, see, we see where it comes out of. That's Nitro now. Your move, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's like, okay, cool. I just bought some planes. They're going into the Pentagon. Your move, WCW. How about this? I came up with a virus. It's not done yet, but going to shut down the world for a while. Bam, pandemic. That's what we're living in right now. WCW's response to Playboy. That's what we're living in. Um, Absolutely. Uh, But I think that WCW could have, the WCW response should have been, Let's just do wrestling because as this year and the next year progress, you see that this is the beginning of of Vince McMahon's basic strategy is like, I know a wrestling company, but I think we need half an hour in a cowboy bar where Booker T wears a small hat. And they're like, why would we do that? And he's just like, because I got a lot of small hats. So shut the fuck up. Because like, <laughs> I want to see him in a small hat. What I thought the I thought the question, I thought the answer was in the question there, you fucking idiot. I mean, we're, we could talk about what WCW should have done and would have done wrong for a million years, as many people have. But what we're going to do right now is take a break because it's only May in 1999. And what happens in May? The least fun thing, maybe of all time. We'll be back 
right after the this. Godfather is robbed of his ability to win the your, or the inter, uh, to retain the Intercontinental Championship. That's what happens in May. Nothing else, mm-hmm. and that's all. Let's get it right this time because Dylan real screwed up the last one. Ladies and gentlemen, come see us at the Dorchester Country Club in Dorchester, Ontario. Tickets are $25. Then the real bomb brown paper tickets.com. You can find the link somewhere. Dylan, talk now. Oh, go click into the info part of this episode. Brownpapertickets.com, Dorchester, Ontario. I don't really fucking know where it is, but there's a dinner and show option for 50 bones. And then there's $25 for just the show. Please fucking come. We get to do stand-up again. We really, really like it. Come to the show, lie down on a couch, and we'll make out immediately afterwards. All tongue, no lips. Ooh, (laughs) yeah. All right, it's May 1999, and Dylan's favorite thing in wrestling happens. No! John, where were you when you heard about Owen I can tell you, I was in the back of a taxi cab in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. I had just come back from England where I was with my mom who was on a business trip. We were in Europe for like two weeks, and the front page of the Ottawa Sun said, Wrestler Owen Hart dead. And I was like, what the name of fuck? And a, You were like, the corporate ministry really got to him. This I time. was like, well, this is fucking crazy. Everyone was talking about it on the schoolyard. Uh, the pay-per-view was watched at uh, my, friend Ke- or my friend Kevin Milliken's house, and his dad apparently said, uh, where's John? And then they're like, oh, he's in Europe. And then he said something like, John's fat. And they all laughed. And I've, wish, I've wished Kevin's, Kevin's dad uh, harm ever since. I, I pray that that man drowns in a hot tub. I like the idea of an adult going, where's your friend? Uh, he's on a trip. Well, he's fat anyway. <laughs> and then everyone just high-fiving. It's <laughs> 100%. You heard, 100% it was na- fine when he... Back then, it was fine to hurt, hurt a kid's feelings, I should say. That was 100... My, the, the neighborhood I grew up in, Ottawa, could be summed up being like, listen, I am voting centrist, but I want to let you know who I don't want in my neighborhood, people that play basketball. Oh, 100... Yeah, this is... Well, this is... Uh, this, is a, this is a white... This is... This is white people where it's like, um, I'm accepting of anything as long as I am not related to them. Because yeah. if you're related to me, you have washboard abs and a good fucking job and you don't work for a union because they're lazy pricks. I associate, let me say this, I think all humans are equal, but if you date my daughter, you better be fucking white. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. That is Ottawa, that is Ottawa, Ontario, Canada right there. I'm going to say it right now. The people who live in the suburbs of Ottawa, all of them are proud boys. Like everyone's like, I can't, Whoa. I can't believe Ga- oh, proud men. Gavin McGinnis, a man who grew up in Ottawa and then lived in Montreal, started the Proud Boys, and I'm like, I can a hundred percent believe it. Ah, uh, hundred. I remember when I was moving from Montreal to Toronto, one of my neighbors came over, like saw me like loading the car, and was like, I lived in Toronto briefly, and my neighborhood went real downhill when a bunch of blacks moved in. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, And it was like coming from a place of like, I need to, I better let this guy know. He probably doesn't know that there's black people in places. I, I, better, I better give him the 411 or he's going to be real shocked when he gets to Toronto. And it's just like, go fuck oh. yourselves. Oh, Christmas crackers. Well, much like the death of John Hastings' innocence, the Owen Hart, as the Blue Blazer, we all know what happens here. He is... Uh, his latch breaks. He falls to his death. The uh, as we've said on this program many times before, the Godfather pins him. One, two, three. 
retains the Intercontinental title. Thank uh, God. Vince McMahon pulls Owen Hart by his hair because uh, he, he wanted him to know he had fucked up the spot, so he was giving him a bit of a rough time. Pulled him by his hair out of the ring, gave him a tongue lashing. Stu then called him and went, Yeah, that's good. Good for you, Vince. You better give him half the money for this shot, mate, because you only get one Hey, listen up, Owen. You're blonde and know what that means. I don't fucking like you, so I'm glad you're fucking dead. This is the eulogy at Owen Hart's funeral. Uh, hello, I am Stu, and I want to let all of my children know you're fucking next. <laughs> <laughs> my goobie, uh, the only time I cried was when I buried my hero and role model, Fritz von Yeah, Eric. the only time I was sad <laughs> is when Fritz died. Fritz taught me how to be a parent, which is the only way to do discipline is with two drawers. One's got a gun, the other one's got a knife, and you tell your kids, choose. <laughs> So from Vince's point of view, two questions hang over his head. Firstly, someone was employed to set up the stunt who did not have adequate experience. Basically, they had someone who uh, had rigged a bunch of this stuff before for Sting, and then it turned out they cost too much money. No, it's even better than that. There's two... No, 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 no. There's two reasons. They cost too much money, and it took Owen too long to get out of the apparatus. It's the, be it's the most Vince McMahon situation ever. We are wasting valuable time watching this man safely unhook. Also, how much to do this? Fuck you. So instead, yeah. they got a guy who knows about sailboats, I'm pretty sure. He puts a quick-release sail clip on Owen Hart, and Owen Hart falls because it wasn't supposed to hold the weight. And also, if you touch that, it's designed to release immediately so you can drop a sail in high winds. And basically, Vince McMahon, through bureaucratic decision... Uh, an argument could be made that he was just like, all right, and on Over the Edge, Owen is going to fucking die. And why was Owen put in this position? Well, because he didn't want to do a angle where he was cheating on his wife with Deborah McMichael because he didn't want to confuse his kids. Owen Hart, great man, great Canadian, somehow not fucked up. Do you understand the, 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 the steel will of Owen Hart? <laughs> not to be a psychopath from that fan like literally the second most normal heart brother is brett and brett as his brother was falling in the air brett was leaning over the marble countertop of an airport bar saying um pardon me madam but i want you to know that i would fuck you over a water fountain that one over there and then he got the news and he was like, I'm grieving now at the loss of a friend. You mean your brother? No, friend. <laughs> yes, this is uh this is not this is one of the first times that wrestling something actually crazy happens on wrestling, and it is the first of many, many, many more, unfortunately for us, the creeps that like What's also wrestling. very important to remember is Vince saw this happen and went, do I stop the match or stop the uh, event? Yeah, he doesn't. And Mankind no. almost quits over this, as everyone knows. Is like, this is fucking fucked up. Everyone else shows up next day because it's wrestling and no one is worth it. And also, by the way, the other thing that's very important is they don't tell the live crowd. This is the thing I've never understood. It was at least tell the live crowd. But instead, they were like, no, we need them hot for TV. So make sure that they don't know. So they'll still give the suck it chant to the camera. And this is an like and as everyone, a lot of people have brought up before this point where at this point, like you're doing people are dying. The higher power 
there's a crucifixion of Stephanie in this year. You're doing crazy angles where it is totally plausible from the fans' perspective that they could just fake someone's death. Yeah, of course. And oh, the, the big boss man got hung at WrestleMania. Oh yeah, how did we didn't touch? Of on, course, we didn't touch on that. Oh, we didn't touch on that. Well, here's what happened actually, because they Vince actually wanted to Owen Hart the big boss man, but. Uh, Ray Trailer luckily had a picture of the American flag in his pocket, and he looked at it and got so erect that it uh, gained him the leverage to unhook himself. Let me ask you this. How did it feel as the young Dylan got, the 14-year-old Dylan got, watching them hang Ray Trailer? How did you feel? It was despicable. Yeah, I assume that you... I assume that... What the rest of us felt when Owen fell is what you felt watching the big boss man get hung. I was already dead inside. You couldn't have done anything to me. I've been prepared i've been steeled for the death of my mother ever since that moment <laughs> when i saw my when i saw my second and my second fatherly uh the father figure in my life passed i've away. seen dylan's preparations for his mom's funeral and it involves just that being played on a screen and he goes that's why i'm not fucking crying at my funeral also in the will someone has to uh put a trailer hitch on my casket and drive away with it well uh i've instructed someone a seven foot man with a fat man with a ponytail i don't know how they're gonna find it but a seven foot fat man with a ponytail everyone's like why is that guy here he's gonna grab the end of my casket and yell that's my dad and everyone will be very confused it'll be good oh man i can't wait for that also, Big Boss Man fed Al Snow his dog, which was later stolen by South Park. And you can convince me of nothing else. The Big Boss Man not only perfected being a heel, he perfected comedy as we know it. So uh, after uh, May, um, when Owen Hart passes away, but Vince McMahon says, can we get him to, sh- to pose for Playgirl now? And then his And then his wife says, I'm never talking to you again. And Vince McMahon says, well, you're a fucking cunt. Which, by the way, if you guys want more information on this, watch The Dark Side of the Ring. I'm sure you have. But uh, The Dark Side of the Ring uh, on Owen Hart. Because for years, I thought Martha Hart was basically like... Like, everyone was like, oh, why is she, why doesn't she want Owen to be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Like, even Brett doesn't talk to her because he thinks Owen should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Like, Owen would have wanted that. And her point is, they murdered my husband. Yeah. <laughs> like, basically, her point is... Well, I don't really care to get an award from the people like the Nazis. I don't care if the Nazis give an award to my grandfather either, who they also murdered. Like, who cares? I mean, I and also it's not like that they were like, here's a mistake. Let me let's make this right financially. No, because it's Vince McMahon. And immediately, as soon as Owen is lifeless on the canvas, uh, he's thinking, how do I get out of being sued? Yeah, he calls Jerry McDivitt and is like. Jerry, I hope you're stood up because you're going to need to run to the to a, a law library and figure out how I can blame this on his family. And like, you need to understand that, and it's covered briefly in The Dark Side of the Ring, but the Chris Jericho interview with Martha it goes into this a lot more in depth. Pretty much she immediately files a lawsuit, as you do, because it's the States, for wrongful death. And Vince immediately goes... Uh, I'm suing you for filing. Essentially, he tries to sue her for filing that in the wrong state because he's claiming that she's trying to profit off the death of her husband. And the reason why he does that is because he wants it filed in Connecticut, not Missouri, uh, because in Missouri, he'll have to pay more money. But in Kansas, there's no damages for a workplace accident such as this. And let me tell you what, Vince does not win. And I guarantee Vince is still angry about it to this day. Like... And the 
he is so fucking lucky this didn't happen five years if this has happened 10 years later the wwe doesn't exist because social media would have fucking rocked him but it's able to be i don't know man it's it's they do shit like this all the time they basically vince mcmahon the saudi government essentially last year were like okay we're grounding your flight because now we have your wrestlers and vince mcmahon said yeah fucking kill all my wrestlers i don't give a shit i'm out of here i need to see a man about some coffee like he doesn't fucking care at all. As much as the Mr. McMahon character is born out of him being a callous businessman, this dude doesn't give a fucking no, shit he about anyone that doesn't have his last name. And I mean, and he doesn't really care about the boys with his last name. He cares about, like, him and Trump, I guarantee, have had long conversations about fucking their own daughters. Oh god! I'm sure they wouldn't fuck their own daughters, but they have talked about daughters swapping. No, 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 no. They have talked about fucking their own daughters, and I'm not saying this allegedly. I'm saying it's a proven fact. And I would, please, go ahead and sue me, Vince McMahon and Donald Trump, to prove that you haven't had a conversation where you talked about having sexual intercourse with your own daughters. I will for the record sue him and not me. Sue me and Dylan Gott. I will, <laughs> I will go to that lawsuit. Sue John only in a court of uh, Mars law. No, no, come Mars. at me. I will meet Jerry McDivitt. I will. I guarantee Jerry McDivitt will be wearing a bolo tie, and he will be quite polite. And I will not wash my hands when I piss, and then I will shake his hand. I will suck off Jerry McDivitt to get out of a lawsuit. That is an audio, and that is real shit. <laughs> so. Uh, drop to my knees, unbuckle the pants. I'll look up at him the whole time, make him feel like a big man. Do you understand so, how amazing that lawsuit would be? And in the case of slander, a pale man with no bank account has just sued a billionaire and the president because he claimed if it, I would demand a jury trial and this would be my defense. What do you think, everyone? And at least half of them would be like, that fucking big-headed kid with who's wearing shorts for no reason is 100% right. <laughs> So, July 12th, Chris Jericho signs with the WWF. Vince probably sees him and goes, this guy isn't tall at all, and gets very upset. But they give him one of the best entrances and debuts in wrestling history. And then they, of course, fuck it up by having him debut against The Rock, and The Rock does what The Rock does, which is run circles around people on promo. And it's very weird, and Chris Jericho kind of falls off the blocks. And because you can tell that Chris Jericho has been holding a grudge about this since this, because he has gone and started his own wrestling company with the express goal of being like, I'm going to make Vince look like a punk bitch. You think so? Because yeah, 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 think, yeah, 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 yeah. You think so? I mean, I don't. I think it was mostly like the, he, they put him in there with The Rock. So he's at the top of the company right now. But mostly the problem with Jericho was that Vince didn't like his uh, in-ring style, which is so weird because this, there's a really illuminating interview with Kevin Owens where there's one pay-per-view match where Kevin Owens thinks he has a great match and Vince is like that was utter bullshit and then there was another one where he had a terrible match and Vince came back and was like now you've got it so it's like no there's no idea what Vince likes in the ring he's but he's just looking at his own reflection in the monitor and if he thinks he looks good the match is great and if he can't see his reflection he's like this match is shit (laughs) So by this point, of course, Vince has the corporate ministry going. John, what's your favorite thing about the corporate ministry? Uh, it birthed naked Midian, and that was awesome. Oh, yeah. Naked, <laughs> naked 
Midian. Good fucking. Christ. I don't want you. Some of you are old enough to not know wrestling uh, in this era. Naked Midian is exactly what you think. It was the guy. Uh, it was Henry O. God or uh, yeah, Phineas Godwin. Wearing a fanny pack that was concealing his newts, and then he would run run in the ring naked, and Jim Ross would literally die with laughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be like, "Look at it! Look at it! Look at that little boy! He come around, he got his dick out." Let me tell you, there's something near Jerry. Oh, that's comedy. And I got a little bit of barbecue sauce on the tip of his car. <laughs> oh my god! Is Cartman Jr. Yeah, I don't know. I just do a voice. Yeah, I take a swing. All right. I mean, for, <laughs> I just I take a swing. Rarely do I connect. In the last few weeks, I've noticed that I've stopped just doing impressions of people. I've just said in my voice, and then Vince McMahon says this, which out of context, hello, no context, rest of review. I really need to start doing the voices again because it's really b- digging myself uh, a hole. Oh yeah, you're digging yourself a big baby uh, digger dog. Down I'm, di- I'm I'm digging myself a stepdad piss pool. <laughs> This is the first time that Vince McMahon at the King of the Ring, Vince and Shane, defeat Austin in a handicap match to regain control of the WWF. Because this, at, at this point, this is when you're getting uh, Vince McMahon is fired, Stone Cold is fired, Vince McMahon is banished from the Earth. Well, his time in prison on Jupiter, Vince McMahon found the Big Show. Now he's going to fight Stone Cold. Also, this uh, year begins immediately, the Big Show just hurting heel and baby face oh, yeah. at a whim. The Union is a face stable, which is very funny to me, given the WW- it's in the WWF. I would have thought the Union were like, they're just sitting in the ring, lying down. Look how lazy yeah. the Union is. The Union is just, is the union is just uh, an old man taking a rocky, stony shit in the middle of the ring. That's the, what the Union is? <laughs> That's what Vince McMahon originally wanted. Um, Mick be. Foley constantly talks about that in his Legends contract, there is a stipulation that he does not own the rights to the union. So he like he literally revealed That's very funny. That, so cuz if you are a wrestler that comes in with a gimmick they use, you can retain you in very certain cases retain the rights to it. So he retains the rights to Cactus Jack and I think Dude Love hilariously and he doesn't have the rights to Mankind. So in his contract it like goes through all the things that he has the IP to doesn't have the IP to and he's like the union is one of the things I do they continually are like now you do not have the IP for this. Basically what I'm trying to say is Vince McMahon thinks he invented unions. <laughs> yeah, also Stone Cold Steve Austin can never go back to being the ringmaster no matter what. Yeah, you'll never hear It's tempting. The ringmaster show Talking about paying those gimmicks called bills. Let me say this about the... Yeah, he wants to be, uh, hello, welcome to the Ringmaster Live with stunning Steve Austin. No, always Stone Cold. He owns Stone Cold, but not fucking... He doesn't own Stone Cold. St- oh, of course he doesn't own Stone Cold. He, own- he That's why he changed his name to Steve Austin. So he could just be Steve Austin, yeah. he, he did To uh, subvert the copyright, which, it, which must make his family very happy. Yeah, it must make his family very impressed. Thanks, Steve. Well, this is what I was thinking about when they were talking about... Apparently NXT got a new head writer and on the call, um, on, the, on the, the media call... Triple H was saying, oh, yeah, well, I mean, NXT, uh, there's not a head writer is more just a term. There's still basically a, a team and we basically have one. Me- he didn't explicitly say this, but basically one member of the team is gone. There's still the team in place of like Sean and Road Dog, And that's so funny to me. We're like wrestlers don't want to be treated as if everything is real selectively. But that'd be like, oh, who wrote Rocky? Rambo did. Yeah, that's very you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. like 
it's Sylvester Stallone. Just say say Michael Hickenbottom. He's not Shawn Michaels anymore. He's Michael Hickenbottom. No, no. Like no, no. Who wrote this movie? Well, it was Blackula and Shaft. <laughs> so Vince McMahon comes back in the fall of 1999 as a babyface, wins the WWF Championship. How did we not talk about this? Of course, the kidnapping of Stephanie McMahon by the Ministry, which was the reason why Vince McMahon became the higher power. This is when, as we've said before, he fills the screen with McMahons. Stephanie, by the way, is a terrible, terrible performer for the first, I'm going to say, 10 years of her being on television, and then in year 11, she just became great. But in classic McMahon formula, the only person who can ever get one over on Vince McMahon is The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin or Triple H. One of the holy trinity... Other than that, go fuck yourself. Oh, I guess John Cena as well. Yeah, to a certain extent. The other thing that's important to remember is yeah, that... Yeah, to a certain extent. Um, King of the Ring, someone pulls the briefcase back up. That's never revealed. This is the first time in about 18 months they were starting to drop storylines and leave questions unanswered, which is very frustrating. Um, you also have... this is uh, the, the rise of Triple H is done very quickly. He has a bunch of feuds, and basically as soon as King of the Ring is done... Because he doesn't win King of the Ring. No, who does? He'd always been in that top mix, though. And I do, because we started the, we started with this. You don't think Triple H was good, but... No! Vince McMahon needed a proxy. He couldn't be in the ring. He wrestles 14 times this year. Vince McMahon is nuts. His head's up his own booty hole. But WCW's still hot on his ass and, and still but a going what concern. they need to do is they need to move away from the Vince McMahon-Steve Austin storyline and then heat it back up. That's what they should have done. And they 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 did for a bit because they moved into Triple H versus Vince McMahon with Vince and yeah, but that's, but that's it's just it's a repurposing of the same thing. Get the, Vince is supposed to the Undertaker is defeated by Steve Austin at fully loaded. Vince McMahon oh, is supposed yeah he's fully loaded full of cum is what the implications of that title go. is. The fully loaded with cum in brackets. Yeah yeah yeah. How big are our balls? They're full of white. Yeah yeah yeah. We have big white balls. Continue, John. Um, Vince McMahon should have gone away for a year at this point. The, the the full year should have been, this is when Vince is at the office. He's planning the IPO, which also happens in this year. Like, There's a bunch of shit that's about to happen that's fucking crazy. Vince didn't need to be on television in this moment. They are lapping WCW at this point. WCW does not last a fucking another year at this point. They should be, if they're a very good business, they have spot. It's the fucking wrestling business. They know what's going on with WCW. He needs to go away. Instead. They do. Oh, well, that's another year. That's 1999. They're done in 2001. Okay. They last just over a year. Uh, sorry. Dumb dumb. Sorry, Dylan. I don't. I, I'm sorry. You posted a wrestling podcast for five years. What? Ridiculous. Anyway, continue. Um. He needed to go away. Instead, the, Vin, Triple H has always been a great upper mid-card wrestler. That's where he should have fucking stayed. Instead, he takes a lot of steroids. He, they decide to give him promos where he just talks about it's my time. The game is going to be finally over. All this bullshit that no one is looking for. No one is impressed by it. No one likes it. No one gets behind it to the point that the SummerSlam views are down because it's all but indicated that Triple H is going to win the belt from Austin. To the point, by the way, Austin doesn't want to do it. This is never addressed. Steve Austin thinks Triple H is a piece of shit. 
and always has and never fucking put him over or got in the ring with him. And Steve Austin has been right about a lot of this stuff. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but he's very good at wrestling and predicting things. He makes one error one time and sh- and realized it was a bad idea in the moment and regrets it to this day. He refused to put Triple H over. This is also the summer of Vince Russo going crazy that they're like, will China be in the match? I don't... It's This is where it starts to get really screwy and they needed someone... They needed someone that wasn't Vince Russo or Vince McMahon or Jim Ross because Jim Ross is too busy dealing with talent now because the roster is finally deep, deep with addicts to come in and be like, no, this isn't working. This is it doesn't fucking work. Like, honestly, a great idea, which they should have done is you could have turned McFoley heel again and people would have felt genuinely betrayed by it. I don't think think so. so. I think McFoley was way too, I mean, he's way too likable. You need a guy who's like, honestly, the person that's their savior, the person that should have been Vince McMahon's proxy is just the timeline didn't fit was Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle comes in in November at Survivor Series. Uh, He beats Sean Stacey. 100% right. You're a hundred percent. Kurt Angle is the dude, but it's like he Kurt Angle is too much of like a an athlete. He's too much of a team player versus Triple H, who was reared by obviously Shawn Michaels, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. That means who, fucked in the Triple boat. H is a really smart guy where he goes in, and this is something that honestly, if you if you're under twenty and listening to this, this is literally the only piece of advice that we can actually give you that is good. Where if you go into a company and you want to be successful. Go to the people at the top and just befriend them and try and learn from them. As lizardy and weird as it is, you will immediately be seen as a higher level at the company or whatever your vocation you're attempting to do. I've seen it work in comedy 600 times where, hey, that person's friends with the cool kids. Now they're, you know, now they're doing good. Why? Because people just see them as as good as the people they're hanging out with for some reason. Yeah. Dylan has tried it many times. That's it's, everything. It's never worked because none of them want to talk about how fucking sick Dylan is at having sex. Yeah. I've never hung out with the cool kids. I've just been dragged down into the earth by John, who's John's going, ooh, let's sit by the washroom and ask women if they how much they if they sat or squatted. And I say, John, I don't want to. Please let go of no, my wrist. No, no, I I guess. I don't ask. You're a squatter. <laughs> you just point and go. Sad. Sitter. Sitter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. SummerSlam is down 100,000, as John pointed out, from the previous year. Um, the Rock beats Billy Gunn in a Kiss My Ass match, yeah. but then uh, they changed the Kiss and Mine to Ass 2, and Rock and Billy Gunn go ass to ass. Yes, they certainly do. They 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 bump donuts middle of the ring. This is how big <laughs> this is how big and crazy the world was even in the 90s. Jesse Ventura is currently the mayor of Minnesota where this pay-per-view is being held and he he's the governor of Minnesota. He's the governor of Minnesota and to this day is shocked that people were like you shouldn't be the referee for this this softcore porn violence company. Well, I'm not. The government's closed, so I should be earning my money. I'm not in corporate interests, also. I'm a fighter. Like, it's just such. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are either of you a manimal? Because then <laughs> legally I have to put you into the ground. Yeah, let me tell you something. If I'm using that money to research manimals and also to get access into CERN. Now out of the, <laughs> I'm now gonna go into this bank and demand to see the vault because I'm a governor and I'm a fighter. Like it's just I'm a fighter. I'm a Navy Seal. Give me the codes. I'm a fighter. I'm a Navy Seal. Like 
This is the thing. Je- Jesse Ventura is both the most likable and least likable human being all at the same time in that I kind of love him, but I never, I don't, I hate him and yet I love him at the same time. Like, I'm just like, you're such a loser, but you do it very well. So we're going to finish up talking about Vince McMahon because we have to talk about one of the least acceptable angles in the history of professional wrestling at this point. That is where Triple H marries Stephanie McMahon because she falls asleep and then it is revealed that they fucking loved it the whole time. Stephanie turns on Vince. They leave him laying in the ring. The following night on Raw, Triple H says one of the greatest things of all time, which is... I should have let you see how we consummated it while you were lying there in the ring. And the idea of knocking out someone's dad and then fucking their daughter next to them, (laughs) that is crazy to me. I should have fucked your daughter after I knocked you the fuck out. That's pretty sure that's only been said in, like, rural places across the planet. (laughs) Or it's like, you go to rural Australia, you go to rural Canada, you go to the rural United States, they're all saying the same thing. I should have fucked your daughter after I knocked you the fuck (laughs) out. That's not, that's bad. It's not as bad as when he reveals he drugged her and then married her. And then he goes, now I know what you're uh, wondering, dad, how many times did we consummate the marriage? Basically being like, when your daughter was passed out, I fucked her a lot. I am, my name is Paul and I am a bad guy. Yeah. And that, and uh, that's when uh, they fell in love in real life. Assuming that's good. This is, and then the backstage of this is that Triple H is with China. According to China, Triple H loves getting pegged. I bring that up a lot. Best Howard Stern interview ever. Can you tell me something about your relationship with Triple H? Uh, yeah, he liked it when I put a strap on on and had sex with him. Welcome to China. Hello, Dolly. Uh, uh, and then they have a giant long affair on this whole thing. Vince McMahon is supposedly very upset, and then he remembers who Triple H is, and he's like, oh, good, that's me. I want to fuck my daughter. I'm cool with that. And the building blocks of the next 20 million years of the WWE are built in this exact moment because Vince finally has the son that he wants, not some business-savvy fuck who only can do some push-ups. I want someone who can do a few more than me push-ups. It's really revealed essentially what Vince McMahon always wanted. Vince McMahon wanted Hulk Hogan to work out with him again, and he didn't have the (laughs) chance. So legitimately, because... They would talk about, uh, Vince would talk about No Holds Barred and how him and Hogan rewrote it and how much fun he had, essentially, because all they would do is fucking write a movie and then do Max Bench. And honestly, that does sound very fun to just like cling clang and be like, how about this? How about he fucking eats a girl out? Sick. All right, I'll spot you. Like that sounds a fantastic way to write a movie. This is writing of No Holds Barred. Bang, clang, 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 bang. And then he shits his pants, and then Hulk Hogan says, Dookie. My God, you are Shakespeare. Clang, 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 clang. <laughs> but that's what Vince wanted. He wanted another, he essentially wanted another workout, but he wants to stay young. And Triple H afforded him that. Do you and ever you know think about if he had just listened to Shane? Because Shane had two or three ideas that are literally Vince McMahon rules the world. The biggest one is the UFC. If he had bought the UFC and just fucking shelved it, good fucking God, what a different world we live in. Yeah, that is nuts. It is nuts that they could have just bought the UFC and put that shit on ice. But I do believe that there would have been another MMA promotion that would have came no, out. No, but, I, but not the to weird this. thing is that they have the brand name. That's it's the like thing. the WWF. The WWF has always had that thing where it's like, even though they were in the dumps in the mid-90s, so we're talking 94 to 96, of course, 
and ni- into 97 when they start to make the turnaround, but they're always the WWF. They're always the first thing you heard of when you think of wrestling. It's the exact same thing as oddly the Harlem Globetrotters oddly went through the same weird thing in the 60s until the guy who founded the Harlem Globetrotters passed away. His son sells the Harlem Globetrotters to Gillette, the razors company. Gillette goes, this is the 60s and they're still, but business works the same way where they go, when people think of basketball, they think of the NBA and the Harlem Globetrotters. Let's sell this shit for all that can worth. And then within months, they have a TV show. They have all these licensing deals. And that is, you're right, something that the UFC always have is they were the first to do MMA. I got news for you. Also, I've seen the Harlem Globetrotters live. It's fucking awesome. Of course it is. It's fu- it's just sick dunks and sweet spins. And Apparently, the only time it ever bombed was when they did it in Russia the first time, and the second time, they fucking got it. Yeah, yeah. Also, it also gives... It's, for me, the greatest Simpsons joke ever is that Krusty bets on the, uh, the, the generals, I think they're called. Yeah, he bets on the generals. <laughs> Wait a minute. You spent... However much money franchising the name, and then you bet against the Harlem Globetrotters? I thought the generals were due. The generals were due. Oh, it's the fucking best. So, John, I have a question. What is the best thing about 1999 for Vinnie Mac? Martha Hartlert's pain. No, I'm so sorry. That's not true. There you go. That's there not true. Go. No, keep it. No, no, Say it again. no, no. Say it again. D- Everyone knows you know. You know like- disavow. Disavow. Not true. Not true. Um, Best thing about Vince McMahon, I'm going to say, about 1999 is that he puts the belt on Mick Foley at the top of the year. That's a great... It's a great way to start the year. It's a beautiful... Yeah, that's why I brought that up also. Is It's a great feel-good story. It establishes Mick Foley and puts him in that main event echelon and kind of makes him bulletproof for the rest of his career until he goes to TNA. Uh, um, that's when he gets real sick. Um, <laughs> that's when he gets fucking cool. That's when he gets fucking tight as shit. I hope he wears a lot of lumberjack and really talks about just one woman he's friends with and Santa Claus because that's Mick Foley post-2003 and it's uncomfortable not in a way where you call the police but you do have a word with a child before he heads over to his house. Um, you got 9-1 in your phone immediately. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. You're like, uh, there's something in those egg sandwiches and they're making me feel uncomfortable. Um yeah, I'm going to say that's the best thing. And the worst thing is, of course, his murder of Owen Hart so that he's, he's out of a harness slightly quicker than expected. You Wait a minute. You think that the murder is the worst thing? Yeah. What do you think the worst thing is? What do I think the worst thing is? I think it's um, I think it's probably the 14 matches he had. I mean, that's too much. He's an old guy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You make a good point. You change it from the murder to the 14 matches? No. I thought you'd see my point. No, I'm going to keep mine at the murder. You're going to keep yours at the murder. Well, I mean, I guess someone doesn't care about professional wrestling. The weird thing is, the, it's the dichotomy of Vince McMahon where he is he becomes such a good performer this year. Literally every segment, he goes from like a tentative announcer man in 97. He is good in 98, but this 99 is where he becomes... And this is what happens, of course, when you have a guy in every single segment on the show. Yeah, he just learns but how to do it. in 99, he becomes a monster. He becomes one of the best performers in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, Dylan Gott falls in love with him. They get married. But it's one of the things where... This is why the McMahons have been on television for a million years, is because there's no other person... Vince McMahon would put on television this much other than someone he's related to. And then every time, every time he puts another person on TV, he goes, well, that guy's not as good as Shane. And it's like, yeah, but you've invested 
600 fucking hours of television time into Shane before he becomes became good. You invested however many hours of Triple H. Like, the, the rise of Triple H is like, he's in DX in 97, 98, he's the leader of DX, and 99, he's... He's in the corporation and heal DX, and it's like you see this all this time, and they've given this guy as the lead of a stable. But he's also given an unbridled period of time where there's no other competition in terms of the big names the fans recognize, because The Rock is out filming yes. movies, Steve Austin is out with an injury, Undertaker is at home eating chicken tenders. Triple H is basically yeah. the only name recognition person that they have at the company, and then it's McFoley. And they do an angle where McFoley is fired. Yeah, so they're they're pretty much forced into making McMahon a face, and it goes into something I think that they don't do enough now, where it's like the reason why Stone Cold Steve Austin became the double stamp erase at babyface wasn't because he shook hands with Bret Hart. It was because Bret Hart left, and by proxy, Stone Cold was the next guy. Basically, Vince McMahon didn't want Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin's feud to happen at all. He thought it was bad for the company and storyline, and Bret Hart's gone now. And now Steve Austin is still fucking kicking the shit out of shit. And that's how his, him and Vince's feud gets started. And the reason that Vince's feud starts with Triple H is because Vince is still a bad person. It's just Triple H is a worse person. So he's not. he never turned heel. He never fucking shook hands with Stone Cold and said, sorry, I got that one wrong. It's just that Triple H is worse, so then that makes him a babyface. And they don't do that anymore. Anytime they make a new babyface, it's like they rescind all the views that made them the fans like them in the first place. Yeah, if you break it down, Vince's problem with uh, uh, Triple H is only I get to fuck my daughter. Like That's basically what Vince McMahon is saying with how he's presented in this moment. Yes. Yeah, he's already organized The Undertaker to crucify his daughter. So there is a reason why she should be mad at him. Yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> so that's it for this week, uh, Vince McMahon. Oh, sorry, what was your best thing about Vince McMahon in this year? He put the belt on McFoley. Oh, and they went public. Oh, we didn't. They went public. We didn't even year. talk about that at all. We need to talk about that before we wrap up the episode. So we're going longer than long, baby. We're going John Hastings' penis, not Dylan Gott' penis. Whoa. Um, they go public now. This is incredibly important. This legitimizes the WWE on the international financial stage. This makes Vince McMahon a billionaire very soon after. It also makes the executives at this time incredibly wealthy for life. And Jim Cornette claims it's a stock market scam. There is no real reason for them to go public um, besides the legitimacy it adds. It's an influx of cash. But in the end, it does become an albatross for this company because they are... Um, they are liable to um, stockholders. They have to have quarterly stock meetings. They have to make decisions. All of that sort of stuff predicated not on it being Vince McMahon's money, but being public money. They can take risks up for a certain point, but the entire reason that they scale back the controversy is because stockholders start going, go fuck yourself. The stock starts high-ish, starts big, goes, drops for a long time, and then slowly climbs back up uh, in the next subsequent 20 years. It's an incredibly interesting move he makes. It's a move that also financed the XFL. Uh, one of the things that dropped the stock price spectacularly was, of course, the failure of the XFL. I think that the going public was a giant fucking mistake on Vince's part because in the end, there is a possibility he could lose the company. Someone could do a hostile takeover. He could lose the company, which may happen sooner than later because he's basically just a man with dementia and a perm now making 
very bad decisions. For no other reason than Renee Young has just left as of this recording after contracting coronavirus, and a big argument could be made. She left because she was put into a hazardous work environment by her employer. If that could be legally proven, that he's fucking toast. But that's the thing. Everyone's a subcontractor because the case brought by people not only, but certainly including Raven. I forget exactly that case, but Jerry McDivitt somehow beat a case that was pretty much a layup like we're subcontractors why can't we work from other companies and then the judge was like because you guys are pussies that's why case dismissed because you are bags of shit wait what because you're all wearing sleeveless things to a courtroom get the fuck out of here um yeah i mean it certainly changes there's a very good series right now on between the sheets i think it's once a month where they talk about and it's WCW from the angle of not that, oh my God, how were things run there? It's WCW from the angle of corporate wrestling. Now, we don't think of the WWF becoming corporate wrestling for another couple years. I do. But basically, they once it stops being just the McMahon family business and it, he becomes... Uh, he becomes, what is that? Uh, oh my God, I'm so dumb. He becomes accountable to shareholders does change the company particularly in the mid 2000s but they're making so much fucking money at this time no shareholder is going to be like hey don't throw sable into the mud and then be like your tits are out that's bad yeah it's again it's a very odd i it doesn't become something we need to talk about for another couple years because things only get weird once they stop making so much fucking money and right now they are making so much well yeah things get a bit i would say the argument is things get weird with the failure of the xfl that's the first time because the other thing that we're not talking about this is sorry for this overlong episode but this is very important is this is the period of time where vince McMahon becomes a consultant he's being brought to hollywood because people um he they think he has the answer to the 18 to 35 bracket yeah basically people are like um the two things that are selling the highest, and this is directly from uh, Wrestling with Shadows, are South Park and the WWF. Yeah, and they and the XFL's failure destroys Hollywood's perception of Vince McMahon as a tastemaker and as someone who knows what the marketplace wants. Very interesting, and we'll continue with this in the year 2000, the year before it all gets weird. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We're, of course, at Dorchester Golf Club, Golf and Country Club, August 29th. That's the last time you'll hear us fucking talk about this shit, because as of the next week, we'll have recorded that, we'll have fucking done the show, and we'll have killed, and everyone in Dorchester will name us the Double Mayor. Join us on Twitter and Instagram at Wrestler Review, Patreon, patreon.com backslash Wrestler Review. We have the British Bulldog episode up right now, and that was certainly a fun episode to record. Next episode we're recording for Patreon is Chris Adams, a drunk who caused a scene on a plane. Cool. Yeah, he's a real Dylan Gott. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm John Hastings. I'm real cool. I'm a nice guy. Dylan Gott has been arrested for a variety of kissing crimes. Ooh, I've been arrested for smooching too many babes. Thanks very much for listening, guys. And if you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, shut the fuck up. Yeah, don't fucking, don't share our secrets. Don't fucking talk.